and welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the young, hip, and lay editors of American Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. Hello! Venturing out in this brave new world. <laughs> um, so, Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, uh, hope, Happy hope, New Year. I hope you had a good time. Uh, we're we're t- sort of off this week, um, but we wanted to bring back an interview um, from one of our earlier, earlier yeah. episodes. So this is uh, what? It's an old one, but a good one. Yeah, and like any uh, good relationship breakup, we're gonna, we're, we went back and listened to old recordings of Olga just so <laughs> we could remember what her voice sounds like. And we wanted to share it with you too. So I know you just said goodbye to Olga in our Christmas farewell episode, but you're going to get to hear her again in this one. This is an interview with Kos Marte. He's the founder of Conbody, a gym that offers prison-style boot camp classes taught by formerly incarcerated trainers. Yeah, after being arrested at 19, Koss was sent to prison, and there, doctors told him that his health problems and weight could kill him within a few years. So, he started working out, lost 70 pounds, and began helping fellow inmates do the same. And, during this time, he also had a conversion experience. So... Maybe you're sitting to yourself thinking, I had a lot of food over the holidays. I need to really reevaluate my uh, workout routine. Well, Con Body is here to uh, strike the fear of God in you. Uh, and it's, re- it's a really great conversation, and it's one of our favorites from when we first started the show. And if you joined us recently, you probably never heard it. So Yeah, yeah. so enjoy, and we will see you next week. We're super excited to welcome Kas Marte, the founder and creator of Conbody. Welcome to Jesuitical. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us the story of Conbody, how it was created? Conbody was created in a prison cell. Um, I was sentenced to seven years in prison for running one of the largest drug delivery services in New York City. Uh, at 19, I was making over $2 million a year. Um, running $2 million? Uh, yep. At over, 19. At 19. Okay. Um, Just wanted to fact check those numbers immediately. <laughs> I had over 20 people working for me. I started this whole like delivery service type of craziness. Um, I changed the way we sell drugs. Um, and if you want to take notes, I'll give you all the information. <laughs> Is this After like, the show when we're not <laughs> on air. Is this like Uber for, Uber for drugs? or Something like that, okay, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, but this is when we had flip phones, so there was no apps. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I, I, was, I was arrested, and I went into prison. And when I went into prison, uh, doctors told me I could die because of my health issues. Um, my cholesterol levels were, like, extremely high. They said I probably could die within five years of a heart attack. Um, I went back to my cell as soon as they told me that, and I, like, worked out, did jumping jacks, dips on the side of my bed in my cell, and and I started running laps in the prison yard. Um, people would call me, like, Fat Forrest Gump, Honey Bun, and all these fat jokes. <laughs> um, but I just kept running, and I, eventually I lost 70 pounds in six months. Dang. Uh, then I was approached by an inmate, and he uh, basically said that he wants to work out with me. This his name was Bus. He weighed like three twenty. And was this uh, one of the guys calling you Fat Forrest Gump? Nah, nah. <laughs> They we used to call him Bus because he was like the size of the bus and way bigger than me. So you did uh, and so, received. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. So, but he um, he started running with me, and then we started gathering as a group, and we got more people involved. 
and then I helped over 20 inmates lose over a thousand pounds combined. I, I took that technique, uh, build a camaraderie in a prison yard. Um, but I, I didn't think I was going to create a business out of it. Uh, it was not till the end of my incarceration where. What year was that? This, the end of my incarceration was like 2012. Mm-hmm. I was about to come home in two months. And I got into altercation with an officer. Um, and this officer basically put me on a wall, um, began searching me and, and, and started touching me in uncomfortable places, which made my body jerk. And, uh, he quickly said, don't F with me and punched me behind my head and knocked me down to the ground. Um, when that happened, I, I got off on the ground and I, I stood up and I turned around on him. And as soon as I turned around on him, he pressed his button and his walkie talkie and about a dozen officers come to the scene. They beat me with batons. They shackled me up and they threw me in this, uh, nine by six prison cell, 24 hour lockdown, two showers a week, limited food. The water in my sink in that cell was coming out green and I had bugs all over the place and it was probably one of the worst places you could ever been, be in. Um, and I was not devastated because I was in a box because I've been in many cells, but I was devastated at the fact that I, I literally like seeing my son a week before then and I told him I was coming home in two months and um, I lied to him. And because of that situation, I was facing three more years in prison. Um, and all that was given to me was a paper, pen, and an envelope. And I began writing a letter to my family, letting them know about the situation to try to get me out of it. And I need your help, like ASAP. And then I realized I didn't have a stamp to send out this letter with. So I was in my cell just like banging my head in the wall and I didn't know what to do with my life. And I was just going crazy. And... um and a couple of days later, my sister finds out I was in solitary confinement. And my sister is like Mother Teresa's child, like, hallelujah, amen, everything. She's like the most religious person I know. And um, and she writes me and finds out that I was in solitary confinement and tells me to read Psalm 91 from the Bible. And when I read that letter, I it's like, hell no, I'm not reading that. And I don't believe in God. This is not going to help me. And I took that letter and I threw it in the side of my cell. And I laid back in my bed. And um, all I had in my cell was this Bible that she gave me early on in my incarceration. I never opened it up. It was like basically like a, you know, people use Bible paper to smoke cigarettes out of and weed and crazy stuff. So like I have like ripped pages and it took a couple of days like sitting there having nothing to do, 24-hour lockdown, nobody to talk to, I decided to pick up the Bible. And as, as soon as I, I I turned to Psalm 91, the pages that she told me to read, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. As soon as I read those words, a stamp fell out of my Bible. And it was the stamp that I needed to send out this 10-page letter with. And... As soon as that happened, chills ran down my body and I felt like there was something bigger than myself. And I was I was quickly humbled. Um, I felt regret and I began reading the Bible from front to back and I started really realizing what I was doing was wrong. And for the first time I started praying and and I just asked God, like, how can I get 
repay back for all the people that I've hurt. Um, but not only like affecting my son, um, who's, you know, probably six years old at the time. Um, but not my family, like friends, but I also affected the thousands of people that I sold drugs to. And then I started realizing that I was creating this whole web of destruction that, you know, affected so many people. And I, I started asking God, how can I pay back? So and there's I was, a connection between your spiritual awakening and your giving back through being healthy or helping other people be healthy. And there's where I came up with the idea of, yeah. of Combody. And, and I said, this, I'm already helping these guys in the yard, you know, work out, get fit. And I feel like I could do this when I come home. So I quickly like took a long sheet of legal paper using the side of my Bible. I started writing like a whole spreadsheet with every exercise routine and, Started mapping out like a business plan because so you, you already were a businessman. <laughs> you knew you knew <laughs> and, how, to, uh, yeah, how to do this a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I came home a year later behind that situation, and I started doing what I wrote down, and I followed that regimenly. Like for six months, I was waking up at five thirty in the morning, going to the park, you know, going after females that wore yoga pants and like. <laughs> pitching them combody and like this is what we're doing in the park and and i gathered a, a a handful of people and from there started you know i started renting out ballet studios ballet studios turned into like a you know small lease studio and then um we were looking for space so we raised enough money and funds to open up our own location and nobody wanted to rent to us. And every time I went to a landowner and pitched them the idea of like, I'm running a prison style boot camp. We, we hire formerly incarcerated people and they're like, what? Who? No, I don't think it's going to work here. Um, so, so if someone shows up to a con body class, what, what can they expect? Uh, they, they're going to see a prison cell. Uh, so we designed the whole gym to look like a prison. Really? Um, I mean, that's just like what all gyms. <laughs> feel like to some people <laughs> it's not, yeah you're trapped and you're forced to do the time um they take their mugshot yeah. and we you may people come and you they get their mugshot taken. Yep. wow uh, <laughs> so are you are you barking at people doing the workouts or a little bit <laughs> <laughs> clearly we're all trying to decide if we should try a class or if it's going to be too hard for us <laughs> it'll be okay my mom is 63 she does this four times a week so oh dang, dang got it. Uh, okay. do you She's, yell at your mom i do <laughs> that's bold Pay, man payback <laughs> yeah. and and con body you intentionally hire uh, yeah. formerly incarcerated people right yep and yeah. have you how how has that changed their lives why is that what yeah why is that important to you this might be i don't know yeah seem obvious but yeah i mean i i I felt the the same pain and i felt like i could i could help people and by employing them and most importantly like building a a team building a movement that that could really make a change in the system anybody you're hiring you're taking a risk but i haven't had one disappointment uh, with anybody i've hired from the system nobody has recidivated back into uh prison i had one guy go back into jail for dumb circumstances uh he crossed county lines to come to work and he went and he violated probation for crossing to come to work with us he basically came out on the new york times we had like this little interview he was part of it his parole officer picked up the paper saw him in the paper and was like 
you work in Manhattan, you know, that's <sighs> illegal and I'm going to have to take you in. Um, and we had a, cause that's what, that's what needed and, to be done yeah, in that yeah. situation. Like, yeah. So then the, what, what do your clients look like? Because then this is probably <laughs> also an opportunity to battle stereotypes. If you have people who have, who don't have incarcerated people in their families, this might be the first time yeah. that they are engaging in any way with someone who has been in the system. So yeah. do you see that as a way to help people refute stereotypes that they might have about the formerly incarcerated? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Most people that come into the, the prison that we build uh, have never came in contact with anybody that's been formerly incarcerated. And they're mo mostly like females, young millennials from the ages of like 25, 35 years old. Who I don't know. I don't know what those people are like. It's <laughs> <laughs> completely alien to me. <laughs> uh, I don't own a pair of yoga pants. <laughs> yeah. And um, I've had people that come in and they're like really scared of what they're going to get in into. And, And then they finish the workout and they're like, oh, this person's just a normal person. I can hang out with this person. I could give this person a hug and we could grab a beer after this. So, like, it really breaks down a lot of stereotypes. Um, and it just bridges people, especially when they're in, like, their most vulnerable state and they're sweating and they can't go anymore. <laughs> and they're like, I'm going to give up, but I'm going to keep pushing. And a lot of people are, like, really motivated at the fact mm -hmm. that this person has gone through way more than I have. So like one of my trainers who did 14 years in prison, seven years in solitary confinement, usually tells his like story while he's in class, like always expressing mind over matter, like how he dealt in it, his time in solitary confinement. Um, and, and that motivates people is like, you know what? Like you did seven years in solitary and I'm, excuse my language, but about push-ups uh, yeah <laughs> you, you say you're, the real reason behind this work is prison reform what yeah. do you want what do you want our audience or the people you encounter to know about that a lot of people saying that I'm giving second chances I feel like I'm giving first chances um, a lot of people that grew up in cer certain circumstances like I did or the group I'm working with never had a re first chance to you know move forward in life because we were exposed at a very early age and was trapped in this in this world of you know crime or you know fatherless in the system and and stuff like that that we were set up to like live this world and this is what we learned and this is what we gonna move forward with and we get trapped at an early age you know um we don't really have that first chance and at 13 i was incarcerated um after that it just became a snowball effect and i want to just tell people that you know what we're doing is more than just a workout or your bougie soul cycle barry's big camp type <laughs> of thing it's it's a it's a movement and it's it's bigger than myself and there's days that i want to give up there's days i'm like yo this thing is too hard and i want to just roll back into bed and don't want to wake up at five in the morning to do this craziness and uh And I, I pray and I ask God, like, give me an hour. And he always answers. And I always get a small email where one of my clients says, I can't wait to go back. And I had a great time. Or one of my trainers tells me, thank you so much for giving me a second chance. Or like, now I can feed my son. Now I have somewhere to stay. Um, I'm like, I, this is bigger than myself. I can't stop right now. So uh, it just keeps me rolling and keep going, you know. So. 
That's awesome. Kosh, you're doing God's work. Yeah. <laughs> so so we always end with uh, this question with our guests. So if you could make someone a saint, uh, living or dead, Catholic or not. Real or not. Fictional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who would it be? Uh, Father Jack. Father um, Jack. Yeah, he was a very uh, vital person in my neighborhood. He was a priest. That was a principal of our school, Nativity Mission Center, who, um, when I saw him, when I was released from prison, and he was probably the only person that wrote me while I was in prison, um, and when I was young, uh, when I was, I did a year when I was 15, and, uh, but always kept in contact, always asked for my family, but always was there, and was always, you know, I came home, he was there, open arms, and uh, didn't matter what I did, never judged me. Um, you know, saw me do some crazy stuff, but he uh, he would get go to the park and, like, grab us, and he was allowed to, like, pull us by our ears and be like, yo, get your butt to school, you know? And it was like, <laughs> he had permission from the parents to do this, you know? Yeah. And if you would tell your mom, like, oh, Jack, pull my ear, you'd get another smack in your face. <laughs> and, like, you deserved it, you know, so... But Father Father Jack was is is a saint, and um, he's he's helped a lot of kids in the community. He's like the father of people that never had fathers or a second father, um, and I don't know. He's he's a saint. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He's always doing God's work. He's just. He's an animal beast. So. That's awesome. Saint Father Jack. Saint Beast. Saint Beast. Yeah. Cost, <laughs> where can people find your work? Where can we sign up for classes? Yeah, so you can sign up for classes at combody.com. You also got a virtual platform where you can work out with a formerly incarcerated person. Oh, for, so this doesn't have to be in New York. You could then. do this anywhere for five dollars a month. All you oh, need yeah. is your own body weight, small little nine by six prison cell space at home. So and if your, you live in New York here. And your, your favorite ex con <laughs> to get that prison body always desired. Cost, thanks so much Thank for joining you. us. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs>